God will not be pleased with people that are anti-Jewish. Why? Because Jesus is Jewish. The Bible is Jewish. We know that God is not done with Israel. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Hi, welcome to In Grace. I'm Jim Scudder, and today we are continuing in our series called Answers. Oh, do you have questions? I do. I always have questions, and I love using the Bible opening up the scriptures and finding the answers. I'm really in awe every time I open the Bible because it's a book that has been completed for over 2,000 years, and it's much older than that uh, since it was started, written by so many different people over such different time periods. But yet, I can open it today and find answers for the problems of my life, to find answers of how to raise my children and, and now my grandchildren and uh, treat my uh, wife and what kind of a employer, employee I should be. All of these things are relevant and the Word of God has relevant answers today because it's a book that is alive. And so we're going to be answering your Bible questions with the scriptures. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. One of the questions is about how all the people would have known about the flood coming and the ark. And another one is uh, talking about the rapture and the tribulation and the second coming. And, and, and we're going over a lot of these things today. Now, it might seem scattered, but there, you know, all of these questions are real people's questions that they've had, you know, as they are studying the Bible or, or people asking them questions. We are dealing, though, a lot today with the end times. So I think this will be a really exciting one for you, and I can't wait to preach it. Right before we go into that, don't forget that we have an Alaska cruise coming up in July. It's coming up only about a month away, and it's going to be a one-way cruise, seven-day cruise on Holland America from Whittier, Alaska, with all these stops in these beautiful, quaint towns, along Southeast Alaska, all the way to Vancouver. And we would love for you to come along. Now, a lot of people said, well, I don't want to cruise because of COVID. Well, that's pretty much gone away. They don't have any of the vaccine mandates or testing or anything. It's like it used to be. This is the time to go. And we have a room set up for In Grace Friends. And every evening I'll be ministering. My wife, Karen, will be there. We'll be with you. We have a creation speaker, Bruce Malone, and his wife, Robin. We want you to come on this cruise. So how do you find out more information? I'm glad you asked. It's uh, on our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on travel and then click on the Alaska cruise. Ingraceradio.com. The next question, how did the rest of the world know about the flood or that they needed to get on the ark? I love that question. That's thinking, right? How did the world know that there was a flood coming? I think one of two ways, or maybe both. The one way is Genesis 6.3 says the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. That was pre-flood announcing the flood. So I believe that the Spirit of God would have announced this to people. They would have known that there was a judgment coming. I know one thing. God is fair. God's not going to judge someone that has no chance, that has no knowledge and no ability. God's not going to do that. 
So because of God's character, we must assume that somehow, some way, they would have known that there was judgment coming. And they would have had a chance to get onto the ark of Noah. Okay, also we find in 2 Peter 2, 5, that Noah was a preacher. Noah was a preacher. You know what he was doing the decades while the ark was being built? And remember, the earth would have been probably one continent at that time. We call it Pangea. I don't think people were as spread out. It probably would have been easier to get the word out or him himself going to places and preaching that there's judgment coming. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So therefore, I believe that everyone would have had a chance to have uh, escaped the flood. So hopefully that answers that question. That's a really, really great question. Next question, what scriptures support the rapture taking place before the tribulation and the second coming? Okay, so here's a timeline. We have the church age is what we're in right now. We have this section we call the tribulation. We have this section called the return of Christ. Satan is bound. And then we have the millennial reign starting the thousand year rule and reign. A final rebellion against God and then uh, an eternal lake of fire at the great white throne judgment, and then a new heavens and a new earth. So this is a timeline. We don't know how close we are to the tribulation or to the rapture. The rapture is when the church is removed. Now, what is the rapture? That sounds like a pretty weird concept. It's in the Bible. We believe the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 is probably the clearest part of the Bible about the rapture. I love these verses. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Another reference is 1 Corinthians 15. will tell you a little bit more about the rapture. And then there's other places. It's not as obvious as these verses, but these are really, really obvious verses that there's going to be a resurrection, a physical bodily resurrection of the dead. Jesus returns in the clouds. Notice he doesn't come to the earth. That would be his second coming. The second coming of Jesus Christ is, it's his glorious appearing, the battle of Armageddon. Jesus comes back to the earth. Right here, he comes in the clouds, the rapture. We go up to meet him. Those that have died during the church age, their body will be resurrected, and those of us that are alive and that time will be taken up, okay? So that is the rapture. So the question is, how do we know that the rapture happens before the tribulation? Some people believe it happens in the middle. Some people believe it happens at the end. Okay, it's, there's several views, the pre-tribulational rapture view, the mid-tribulational rapture view, and the post-tribulational rapture view. Why do I not think it happens in the mid or the post? Why do I believe it's going to happen before the tribulation? The Bible tells us that we are not appointed to wrath. I don't believe the church, the believers, will be under the judgments of God, the wrath of God. And there are three series of judgments, by the way, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. As you read through Revelation, you see all of these different judgments coming upon the earth. I believe the Christians will be removed before any of the judgments. Also, no man knows the day or the hour of Jesus appearing, right? And if the rapture happens in the middle of the tribulation, we know exactly when the middle of the tribulation will be. It will be three and a half years from the time the Antichrist signs a peace treaty with Israel. So I can give you the day of the return of Christ there in the middle and at the end of the tribulation. 
Second, and maybe more important, is this. Oh, by the way, the verse for that, we don't know the day or the hour, is Matthew 24, 36. But we believe that this seven-year tribulation, we believe this to be Jewish. Right now, we're not in a Jewish time. We were Jewish before the church age. God was working exclusively through the Jewish nation, Israel, to bring us the scripture and the Savior and salvation. They said, let his blood, Jesus, the Messiah, be upon us and our children. A lot of people have taken that and they're anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic. I think they are flat out wrong and God will not be pleased with people that are anti-Jewish. Why? Because Jesus is Jewish. The Bible is Jewish. We know that God is not done with Israel. Romans 9, 10, 11, he's not done with them. So therefore, we ought to love them. We ought to provoke them to jealousy. We want them to see what we have today. But God is going to take us out. We're not Jewish. We're not Gentile. We're one in Christ, right? And then it starts again, the Jewish God working with the Jewish nation. Now, we have to look at Daniel 9. Daniel 9 tells us about a pretty spectacular prophecy that's very detailed and we believe the first 69 parts of this prophecy have been fulfilled down to the day. It's really incredible. We've preached it before. I don't have time today. But in Daniel 9.24, it says, 70 weeks will be determined upon thy people. This is Daniel's people. Who are Daniel's people? The Jews, okay? So this final week of Daniel, all 70 weeks have to do with the Jews. We've had 69 or 69.7. It says a week, and a week can be a unit of sevens, okay? So seven what? And it's seven units of time. So it could be seven weeks, seven years, seven months. What is it? By context in Daniel 9, we believe it to be seven years. So 70 times seven are 490 years. 483 years have been fulfilled when Jesus came on Palm Sunday. That stopped the clock. We've got one more week or seven more years left. And guess how long the tribulation is? Exactly seven years. That's Jewish. Okay, so since this time frame is Jewish, and since there's one week left, that's seven years, I believe that the church has to be taken out before the tribulation can begin. So hopefully that answers that question. Question, will people take the mark of the beast to be able to change their minds? If someone takes the mark of the beast, what is the mark of the beast? Revelation, in many places, it describes a mark that the Antichrist will uh, force onto people. It says in Revelation 13, 16, that he causeth all, this is the Antichrist, small and great, rich and poor, free and bound, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Isn't that interesting? And that no man might buy or sell save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. What's the number of his name? We find that in the next verse. Six, six, six. That's such an eerie, eerie number. You ever get $6.66 back in change at the store? You're like, you know what? Let me get some gum. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. 600, three score, a score is 20. So 20, 20, 20 is 60. So 666. Six, six. The Bible is very clear that once you receive that mark, you will be in torment. Okay, so again, I believe anyone taking the mark of the beast in the tribulation will know exactly what they're doing. They're, you know, spitting at God and saying, I am giving allegiance to the Antichrist. 
and they're going on to his side and they're damning themselves forever. Some people will make it through the tribulation without receiving the mark by hiding or something like that. But anyways, I would say that the person that has received it, according to Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of the torment ascendeth forever and ever. There's no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, whoever received the mark of his name. So those would be people that would be in the lake of fire. When you think of Alaska, perhaps you dream of seeing glaciers, whales, bear, and being surrounded by beauty while sailing the smooth green waters. Now is your opportunity to go to Alaska within grace for a luxury seven-day cruise. Pastor Jim Scudder and his wife Karen invite you on a seven-day In Grace creation cruise this July. In Grace is joined by Bruce Malone, a renowned author and creation speaker who will share the evidence for creation as we view God's beauty all around us. Don't miss this exciting opportunity to enjoy a time of spiritual refreshment and encouragement as you fellowship with other believers. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Register online, ingraceradio.com or write to us at Ingrace P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness the magnificent land of Alaska. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. The next question, when the Antichrist dies and comes back to life, does the soul go to hell, come back to the body, or is it gone and Satan will be indwelling the shell? Now, you know, where do we find that the Antichrist may suffer a wound to death? Well, in Revelation 13, it tells us, and I saw in verse 3, one of his heads, this was the beast that was described earlier, one head was the Antichrist, as it were wounded to death, and this deadly wound was healed. All the world wondered. I believe that this is the Antichrist attempt to mimic the death and resurrection of Jesus. Is it the same? No, because there's no way for a man to resurrect himself except for God. That happened one time. It will never happen again. If this does mean the Antichrist gets a wound, a head wound, and he dies, we see that Satan indwells this man, and I believe that's what's happening. It's, it looks like the resurrection, but the, the Antichrist, soul and spirit, will be ever in hell. His body will be indwelt by Satan himself and uh, that's what I believe about that. And this one's really good. How do events in the news point to Jesus' return? In other words, what, what should we be watching for? Now, I told you this. No man knows the day or the hour. So if anyone predicts a day, they are wrong. I guarantee you this. If someone predicts a day, Jesus is going to return on this day. And by the way, it's happened over and over and over. Some people still follow those religions and churches and people. I don't get it. I think if you've messed up a prediction once or twice, I would for sure write off those people, okay? Uh, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when Christ's return will be. We know he's coming back. Nothing has to happen prophetically for him to come back. It can happen today, okay? But we should be able to know the signs of the seasons. What are some of those things we'd look for? One, I would look for the return of the Jews to the land. Check. There are more Jews living in Israel now than live in the United States. They're still going back to Israel in droves. I was with a van driver in Israel on my last trip, and I said, how long have you been here? He said, since the 60s. I said, why did you come back to Israel from the U.S.? He said, it's the weirdest thing. He said, I felt like a salmon. I had to return back to where I was from. I, I just felt drawn back to the land. I'm like, man! 
I mean, this is God regathering the nation of Israel. It's all through the Old Testament. God is going to disperse them because of their disobedience. He's going to gather them back from the four corners of the earth. You know what you see today, 1948 and on? They're there. They're in the land. What else would you look for? Well, I would look for plans to rebuild the temple. We know the temple will be in existence. The Jewish temple will be rebuilt at least at the midpoint of the tribulation. So I would expect if the rapture is going to happen soon, they're going to have some preparations and plans. It stood there on the Temple Mount, and you can see it from the Mount of Olives, the beautiful temple of Israel. That's not there today. What's there today is a, it's called the Dome of the Rock. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is off in a, a little bit different area, but that whole area is still today under Arab control, Muslim control. Uh, Muslims believe that that's the location where Muhammad came down for a midnight visit. So it's a sacred place for the Muslims as well as the Jews, as well as Christians. We believe it to be a sacred place as well. This was a quote that I read yesterday in an article that I was reading, an editorial about the temple. It was so ironic that I was going to speak about it today. In the 70 years since Israel has flourished in almost every imaginable way except for one, essential component that is glaringly absent from the Israeli landscape. Israel's restoration is incomplete, and with that, so is the final chapter of God's redemption as the temple being a house of prayer for all nations. Okay, that was yesterday. Like Israel's back and everything's great and they're flourishing, but there's one glaring thing absent. The temple isn't there. You know what? There's a lot of preparations for the temple. They've got the garb. They've got the menorah. They've made it out of gold. They've gone back and looked at the clothing of the priests. They go back and find out who are the Kohen, the priests. If you find someone named Cohen, Katz, Kurtz, they are from the Levitical line. They're using DNA testing. Also, you have to have never been near a dead body. So people that are of the priestly line, they also couldn't have been born in a hospital. If you were born in a hospital, that keeps you out. They're looking at all these things and they're assembling the priesthood today. It's incredible. The oil for the lampstand has been remade. All of these things are happening. I'd be watching that, keeping an eye on that because we know the temple will be rebuilt. What else? I believe since we find the Antichrist is going to get the whole world together in three ways. One, economically. Two, religiously. And three, governmentally. Okay? So if the Antichrist is going to make one world government, one world religion, one world monetary system, then I would be looking for people to be moving away from nationalism. I love the fact that we have sovereignty. We want to protect our borders. Immigration's great as long as it's done legally and all of that. I think that's wonderful. But on the other hand, I want to see everyone in the world reach for the gospel, right? But you're going to see the trend, the world's trend, is moving away from nationalism toward globalism. Removing borders, having joint currencies. The EU is an example of that. Europe has always been so divided since the Roman Empire. You know, the Bible predicts the rejoining together of the Roman Empire. We see that happening even today. Now, the Brexit, Britain left the Union. But ultimately, folks, I tell you what, there's going to be revision of the Roman Empire. So less borders, more globalism and economically. When one thing happens somewhere, the whole world's affected financially today. You know what would really help? If we didn't have all these currency conversions, you know what we really should do? We should go to one currency. 
Uh, we were not going to, and I don't want that to happen. But that's going to be what I would expect to look for is a more globalism, ecumenism, all religions kind of coming together. And that's what people are saying. All religions are we're really worshiping the same God. We just have different ways toward God, like a wagon wheel. The center is God. We all have our different ways. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's a real exclusivity in Christianity. Biblical Christianity, there's one way. But the move in the world will be toward ecumenism and consolidating all religions. So those are the things that I would look for. Attempts at peace in the Middle East, and Jesus gives a list in Matthew 24, 6 and 7, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. So we're going to have people talking about peace, but we're going to have more wars. What's North Korea doing? What's Iran doing? I mean, we have rumors of wars all over the place. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse or various places. So what are we to look for? The signs of the times. We won't know the day or the hour, but we certainly will understand the season. My friends, I think we're in the last days. I really do. I believe the Lord's return is imminent. It can be at any moment, at any second. And this would be a wonderful time for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to have eternal life, to be born again, to be in the faith. And if you're in him, no matter how much the earth shakes, you're safe and you're secure. To know him is to trust him as your eternal savior. We have sin. That sin separates us from a perfect and holy God. We cannot get rid of this ourselves. Therefore, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, who knew no sin to be made sin for us. When was he made sin for us? Because we can't solve our sin problem. Jesus came and died and he solved our sin problem. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you're as righteous as Jesus, who is perfect, would you go to heaven? Absolutely. And if you put your faith in him, you are in his hand. You say, what if I let go? We already addressed that, right? He's got you. He's got you. You are safe and you are secure. I think that's the best part of holding little Charlie. You just want to make sure he feels safe and secure. And the worst thing you can do is drop him, right? I remember I had Amy in my arms once and she had her big snowsuit on and she was maybe, I don't know, a year or two, probably a year old. And she flips out of my arms. And she's going toward the concrete floor. And I don't know how I did this. I'm not that fast. But somehow I went down and grabbed her, her snowsuit, inches. Her face was about an inch from the floor. I'm like, my goodness. Aren't you glad that God's got you more secure than I do? Man, safe in the arms of the Lord. And if you want that assurance, if you want to stop worrying about hell and what happens when I die, put your faith in Jesus and you have everlasting life. If you still have questions about heaven or hell or making sure that you're on your way to heaven, that you're saved, please contact us. You can do that anytime on our website, ingraceradio.com, or call us during business hours, 1-800-78-GRACE. We also would love to invite you to Alaska. InGrace has a creation cruise coming up. As far as I know, we're the only national ministry that has something called a creation cruise. We are going to take a journey where you unpack one time on this 
beautiful newer ship, New Amsterdam. It's a Holland America line ship. And they started cruising in Alaska. They're really good at it. And you unpack one time and you get to coast along these calm, beautiful waters every day getting off the ship and exploring a different part of Alaska. You're going to see all of these animals and beauty around you. And then in the evening, I'll be ministering and Bruce Malone, a creation scientist, is going to be speaking about what you've just seen. It is going to be wonderful. To get more information, to get the free brochure, or to ask your questions, give us a call at 1-800-78-GRACE or go to our website, ingraceradio.com. InGrace is excited to announce a seven-day creation cruise to the magnificent land of Alaska this July. Jim Scudder Jr. and his wife Karen are joined by Bruce Malone, a renowned author and creation speaker who will share the evidence for creation as you see God's beauty all around you. Don't miss this time of spiritual refreshment. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Register online, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on In Grace Radio.